You're listening to episode 193 of the FitzPro podcast, and today we are getting ultra personal, about as personal as you can get, because I am taking you so, so deep and far behind the scenes of my birth story. Well, not my birth story, the birth story of Baby Miller. And this is probably the most requested podcast. It is not going to be short. It is going to be super freaking long. So I hope you are either in the car, on a road trip, or maybe doing chores around your house. Regardless, buckle up because this is going to be a wild freaking ride just like my labor was. Without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average fitspo. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a fitspo. This is going to be a like two to three part series, likely because I just will not be able to get through this entire thing in the amount of time that I have for each episode. Um, So just note that we'll cut it off when we cut it off, but this is probably going to be a multi-part series. Ironically enough, we are not going to start with sponsors or my courses or anything for you, but we are starting with the courses that I took to prep for labor. My goal was to have an unmedicated natural vaginal birth and courses that I took to prepare myself for that were the Mama Stay Fit birth prep course and pain-free birth and Christian hypnobirthing. Those were the three courses. I got something different from all three of them, but I'm going to share the kind of common takeaways amongst all three of them that I think were helpful no matter what kind of birth you desire or want to have for yourself. So in the courses that I took, the most important question that was asked was how do you want to feel in your labor process and about your labor process. And I really, really, really enjoyed that question. All the courses had me do different exercises. So like one of the courses had me draw, uh, whether it was stick figures, whatever your ability was, you were supposed to draw your labor experience. And really the point wasn't to have that exact thing, but like in mine, I had a birthing ball and TRX straps and wedges and heating pads. And the point there was I wanted options. I wanted freedom. That was the value that came from drawing that out. So the values that I wanted to have and hold in my birthing space were calm, autonomy, joy, freedom, fluid, and peaceful, regardless of the outcome. And then once I determined those feelings and those values that were super uh, important to me, and another one was to be supported, was to feel supported, I could say, what does that look like if birth takes you know, a route that I did not plan for or that I don't necessarily want, how can I still end up with the feelings that I do want to have around my birth? If I have to have a C-section, how can I still feel calm, autonomous, joyful, free, fluid, and peaceful and supported? How can I still have those feelings? I think that that was a freaking game changer in me being able to love the outcome of the birth of baby Miller. So it was extremely important to me to not have fear or external pressure enter my birth space. 
dare I say, I wanted to have fun. I was excited for labor. And this is coming from a person who was terrified, I mean terrified, by the labor process. It was one of the main reasons I didn't want to have kids. So I got all of that. And it was largely in part to also facing the following sentences and beliefs beforehand, before the laboring process. These were both from the pain-free birth course, as well as Mama Stay Fit birth prep. These following questions. They both made a statement of some kind about what you believe about labor will undoubtedly show up in your birthing process. Both of those courses made that clear. And the two kind of sentences that I had to finish were a vaginal birth is, and I said, the ideal for mom and baby outside of an emergency. That is what I believe. That is what I believe the science shows as well. The literature shows. And the other sentence was a cesarean birth is, and I wrote an intervention for medical emergency. That's, that's my belief, right? You were supposed to write down what you believe because it's going to show up in your laboring process. I wanted planned and prepped for an unmedicated vaginal birth. And I nearly got it, but baby Miller had other plans. He said, not today, mom not today. So my labor was everything that I thought it would be from a physical and spiritual standpoint and so much more. Um, I feel like I got to have kind of three different birth experiences in one, and you'll see why as I go through my entire labor process. I got to experience nearly everything that I saw for myself in the planning process, plus paths and routes that I didn't see for myself, but that I still very much so enjoyed. With that, With wanting an unmedicated vaginal birth, I did have plans laid out for when I would be okay with a cesarean, knowing full well that birth does not stick to a preset plan. And if you followed me on Instagram during my pregnancy, you know that my midwife was not my favorite person. I did not feel supported by her. I felt very pressured by her. I did not feel like she saw me, heard me, was on my team. Um, I did not enjoy my experience with her. But... I have to give her credit where credit is due. She encouraged me to write out and consider what interventions I'd be okay with under what circumstances. So when would I be okay with an epidural? Just entertain it. And I couldn't, because you all know I am about entertaining options, I couldn't shoot her down on that. I had to say, hmm, that is a fair question. That is a fair exercise for me to do to entertain what all of my options might be and when those would make sense so that if, you know, I can have my ideal birth plan and I want to have that, I want to visualize that, I want to prepare myself for that, but I also want to not be naive to the fact that very few births go as planned. I need to be prepared for other options. So for me, a cesarean was a go, was a positive if mom or baby had heart rate elevated or decelerated, there was an infection that occurred if baby lacked oxygen from cord issues or a lack of fluid, if forceps, a vacuum, or an episiotomy was going to be used for delivery. That was a hard no for me because of the likelihood of third and fourth degree tears. I was not down for that. I would rather heal from a cesarean. To me, that was an autonomous decision. 
Other hard no's for me were in the induction process. So I did not want to be induced. I wanted to go as far as I could. Um, I was I was willing to be, I was willing to get a membrane sweep around 41 weeks or 41 and three, simply because I do know the placenta starts to calcify and some other things can happen that I may not want to push. And I knew that baby Miller was on the bigger side. Um, so for me, again, for me personally, those were kind of options that I had considered for myself. But as far as how they would induce me, an internal balloon or manual dilation was like a hard fucking no, absolutely not happening. My labor took many, many turns. It was intense. It was a wild ride. And it is by far my favorite life experience to date. I am very, very excited to share it with you. It ended in an emergency C-section after laboring at a seven or eight for three to four hours with no progress and pushing at a 10 for an hour, which I know I, I have many friends that pushed at a 10 for, you know, three and a half, four hours before getting a C-section. So we'll get into why after an hour we said, let's get a C-section. Uh, today I am sharing the full story. Please respect it and know that it is mine. It is nothing else. It means nothing for your birth, your past birth, your future birth, anyone you know. Um, I simply share because I have always been amazed by birth stories, even with my fear of labor. And even before I considered having children myself, I still found birth absolutely fascinating from a physiological and a spiritual standpoint. So as I mentioned, I was a woman terrified of labor, it was a reason that I was very hesitant to ever have kids. Uh, perhaps my story will be of some perspective, benefit, even redemption to other moms or moms to be out there. I know that hearing other stories was monumentally helpful for me personally, and thus I pass my own along. Please, please, please just remember to see this through the lens that it is my birth, my labor story. That's it. Don't make it anything more or less than that, please. Let us begin with making clear that shame has no place in the process and experience of labor. Period. End of story. Shame has no place in the process and experience of labor. I say that because I was talking to an old one-on-one -on -one fitness client of mine who had recently had a delivery that played out many of her fears that she had and almost none of what she had planned or wanted which is really unfortunate. And that is also pretty common. She was left with a lot of questions and what ifs wondering if she would have just done X or would have waited for this, would things have been different? And I hadn't given birth at this point that her and I had this conversation, but I told her that I thought those questions and having questions post delivery was so, 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 so normal. Like it only makes sense, right? Almost no birth goes exactly to plan. Yes. Some women do really get the labor that they dreamed of, which is amazing. But the majority of labors do take a different route than we envision. This is not bad, in my opinion, and it doesn't mean that we should not prep for, you know, or plan for our ideal birth either. Birth is beautiful, it's miraculous, and with every position, movement, approach, intervention that can happen, I think it's only natural to wonder about on the back end and question how different scenarios could have played out. If we left for the hospital at a different time or tried this move or waited five more minutes to make that decision or went with the 39 week induction or waited three more days, if the labor and delivery team was different at the hospital, like there's, there's with, with all of the options that exist, it only makes sense to have questions. Even if you do have a good labor, 
I just want to like give space for that, I guess, um, that it is not bad to, to question and to consider these things after your labor, even if you loved it. Outside of labor itself, there is possibility to then even question your preparation and what may have affected your labor process. It really is a Pandora's box once our mind starts going. And so I just want you to buckle up and put your headphones in, grab a tissue box, because I am bringing you a day-by-day, hour-by-hour documentary of my labor and the questions that came up for me afterwards once the kind of fog cleared, because I also had questions. As I said, please give room to question and don't feel guilty if you had questions or have questions after your birthing process. It's only natural when your birth took one of literally millions of possible routes, okay? You brought life into the world. Your body grew a whole new person, an individual soul, and then birthed it. Whether it was in the way that you wanted or not, there is no room for shame. I hope that if if anyone gains anything from this episode, I hope that that is it. That brings me to my labor progression of Baby Miller. Due date was November 19th, 2022. Born on November 23rd, 2022, which was 40 weeks and four days. Nine and a half pounds, 22, almost 23 inches long head circumference of 15 inches. He was over the 100th percentile. He was literally off the charts. And that context matters, and it matters for me. So let's dive into my labor progression. I want to start the week of his labor because there is this weird time in pregnancy when you approach your due date, you hit 37 weeks, and you've now entered a five-week period of it could literally be today or it could be a month from now. It's a very strange headspace to live in, and if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you plan on being pregnant, you will know what I'm talking about someday. Attempting to enjoy the last few days and weeks of just you and baby before you have to share them with the world, being over pregnancy, wanting to see your vagina again in the shower, and preparing to add another human to your life, it's just a lot. That last five weeks is just a lot. A friend of mine once said, the last three to five weeks of pregnancy should be its own trimester, and my Lord in heaven, I could not agree more with that statement. The last three to five weeks is its own trimester for so many reasons. The question, the question that is most Googled is, how do I know when I'm going into labor? My journey began exactly seven days before giving birth. So on November 16th or 17th, I had diarrhea for two days in a row. If you didn't know, like we're going to talk about labor, I'm going to get real, real here with you. Okay. So before this, I had been pooping, you know, normally for me. Um, but I was pooping like four times a day, just very much so feeling like there was a cleaning out happening. A cleansing was going down. This was after a few days of feeling extra bloated and just not consistent bowel movements. So I had inconsistent bowel movements. And then November 16th or 17th, the diarrhea started the cleanse began. I noted an energy increase actually, especially this late in the third trimester. So in the third trimester, I had started to lose energy in those last three to five weeks. And then what is now, what I know now is a week before giving birth, I actually felt an increase in energy, a desire to move my body on like November 16th, 17th, and 18th. So 16th and 17th, we had the runs. November 18th, I was generally feeling just crampy, 
but constant. So it wasn't coming in waves. It wasn't coming like a contraction would. I just had kind of crampy sensations consistently, like period cramps. November 19th, we are now on the due date. I had bloody mucus in the morning throughout the day. Not a lot. It was not like I lost my entire mucus plug by any means, but like pink discharge with nearly every use of the bathroom. So every time I peed, there would be a little bit of bloody mucus that came out as well. Cramping progressed on and off. So there was more, this was not waves like contractions, but it was like very clearly my uterus was tightening on and off for sure. It didn't feel like what people describe Braxton Hicks as, but perhaps, you know, that that is the same thing. That is the sensation that maybe was happening was my uterus was preparing for contractions. Um, on the 19th, so 16, 17, 18, felt energized, had the runs, wanted to move my body, started getting some cramps. 19th, I was tired. I was notably more tired than the days leading up to this. And I just wanted to rest. I just wanted to lay down. Maybe that was like subconsciously me knowing it was my due date or something. I don't know, but I just made note of that. November 20th, obviously due date has passed. I was not concerned at all. Um, Also, I had a appointment on my due date with my midwife. And she was like, you know, let's induce this baby. Obviously it was close to Thanksgiving. If you know anything about Western medicine, inductions are extremely, extremely, extremely common before and after holidays so that, you know, I don't want to get too controversial, but so people don't have to work on the uh, holidays, right? Less, less births on holidays, um, which I'm not down for down for baby coming when baby needs to come. Now I had an appointment on the 19th said, no, I don't want a cervical check. I don't care if I'm two centimeters dilated, five centimeters dilated. It literally means nothing to me because I could be that for another two weeks. It does not mean that labor is happening. And I did not want to give her an opportunity to give me a membrane sweep without my permission. It's happened to many friends of mine. Um, You can tell that obviously there's some bias here and I am a bit jaded. So just take that for what it's worth. Okay. But I did want to get a... um, I forget what the acronym is or even what it's called, but I wanted an ultrasound to just see, you know, had he dropped, what position was he in for sure. So again, with um, advocating for yourself, that was not something that was planned. I requested that and I did appreciate that she got me in that day for that ultrasound. So I really was appreciative of that. Um, They could see that the placenta was calcifying. They could see that he was extremely cramped. I could see that he was extremely cramped. I could feel it. Uh, and I could see that his head had not dropped yet. So that gave me information to know that I needed to go home and get him to drop, to really open my pelvis, uh, the inlet of my pelvis, the top of my pelvis to help encourage him to drop in. And so that is, that is what I did. I could also see that there was meconium in his fluid, but I could see that he had plenty of fluid. So I really did appreciate getting that. It wasn't an anatomy scan. I forget what it's called, but it is, it was an ultrasound in order to see these things. So I requested that on my due date in order to say, you know, I will want to maybe consider induction on X date. So 19th, we had cramping. It progressed on and off. Um, I was tired. The 20th hit, I got up and walked for 30 minutes and took a shower at 10 a.m. I pooped three times and then the cramping intensity picked up big time. Uh, with a very tight uterus at noon. So at 12 p.m., I started timing contractions just for fun to see because I could tell that they were coming in waves now. Um, I had a lot more pelvic pressure, notably increased with cramping, and contractions were seven and a half minutes apart, 
45 to 90 seconds from the get-go. That was on the 20th at noon. This was surprising to me because everything that I had read talked about you know, you're going to start getting contractions 15 to 30 minutes apart. Uh, that was not my experience at all, which just goes to show the unpredictability of the individuality of labor. So 2 PM, same day on the 20th contractions were more like waves that people described. So at first it was just like cramping on and off. And now I could actually feel them like build to a crescendo and then drop and 5 PM hit. I was timing them. They were still consistently four to seven minutes apart, but intensity was, was, it was picking up. I had more bloody show and shedding and uh, more pronounced pubic pressure. I could tell things were happening. This went on all evening. Nate and I having this, you know, be our first labor, our first baby packed the bags. We were like, I, I don't know if this is it or not. So let's get prepared. 9.30 PM hit. And I went to bed because the contractions had slowed. But like I said, Nate got all the bags ready because we were both like, is, is this it? Like I said, back to the, how do I know when I'm in labor? And everybody just says, you'll know. That's very misleading. You will not know. You won't know. Um, you will question everything. <laughs> Let me tell you how many times I was texting my friends, like literally pictures of my bloody show. Am I in labor? What's going on? I'm having the shits. Is this it? Yes. At some point, when you are deep enough in active labor, of course, you'll know that you are preparing to give birth. You will know. But generally, in those early, early, early parts of labor, you will not know. That's my take, all right? Uh, with your first, anyway. With a second and third, perhaps it's more predictable, and you know these things. I had night sweats. I pooped twice in the night. This is the night of the 20th going into the 21st. Uh, night sweats, pooped twice in the night. Again, kind of felt like the body was like getting rid of everything. We were doing a cleanse and the contractions continued on and off. A few actually waking me up through the night, which they had not done the night before. Nothing more than like a decent period cramp. It was not enough to make me think I needed to go to the hospital by any means. And they weren't consistent. 21st hits 7am. I wake up, no labor signs. We are still with child 9am. I shower, I shave. If you know, you know. 10 a.m., I walk for 30 minutes again. I lift, I get my lift in, I do some mobility. 11.30 hits, cramping starts, but just like the days before, it was kind of constant, slow cramps on and off. I was like, great, this is the same as yesterday. Noon, we go grocery shopping. At the grocery store, the rectal and pelvic pressure that began was very unexpected. And I thought I might be leaking water, but I was like, okay, if it's not today, it's very, I imagine it's soon, right? 3 p.m. We get home. I eat 3.20. I go for another walk, 45 minutes this time, 6 p.m. Contractions pick up. They're more intense today than, than previously. So every day they've kind of picked up a bit, uh, but same timing, four to seven minutes apart, four to five minutes apart. I start timing them. Uh, but they were starting to demand that I like, you know, get up and move and kind of change positions. There was a desire to do that versus kind of just doing whatever through them. I was totally fine between contractions. I ate dinner. I made sure that we were packed again, 8 30 PM hit. Sure enough, contractions slowed down. It, it stopped. Um, I was super tired by 9 PM and I took a 45 minute nap. I had a few contractions, but they were inconsistent. I went to bed by 10 PM. November 22nd, 6 a.m., contraction, and a poop wakes me up. 
What's new from the last three days? I slept great. I had a few intense contractions at like 2 to 3 a.m., but I slept fine overall and I was happy to get some rest in. That is something in the courses that I knew, like unless you are in labor, rest, like move, rest, move, rest, move, rest. That was what I was basically doing for the week leading up to Baby Miller. After two days of being in early labor on the 21st and the 22nd, literally eight hours per day of contractions that were four to seven minutes apart, at 1 p.m. on the 22nd, intense contractions started. Immediately, three to three and a half minutes apart, right away, way more aggressive than the past two days. Uh, This will be the moment that people are talking about when they say, you will know. This is what they were talking about. But my point is that I was unsure if this was it for like the six days leading up to this. But in this moment at 1 p.m. on November 22nd, I was like, we're, it's, we're, it's happening. It's happening. Bridesmaid moment. It's happening. Gushes of bloody show would happen right after a good contraction, not long after. So 1 p.m. contractions start. 2.45 p.m., not even two hours later, water breaks, getting in the truck, headed to the hospital. I was waiting for my mom and sister to get to our house because we had let them know that these contractions were real. Things were moving quickly. I had sent them screenshots of like my timer of contractions. My mom got to my house. She saw me and she was like, what are you waiting for? Why aren't you headed to the hospital? And uh, my mom said, based on my demeanor, like we needed to go to the hospital. So I called my sister and told her to meet us there instead of my house. She was headed to my house. We were like, screw it, go to the hospital. Backstory. My sister was my doula for my birth. We got her certified so that I could have my mom, my sister, and Nate in the room due to visitor restrictions. So the hospital I delivered at, you could only have two visitors. And I was just like, Yeah, no, I I need all three of these people here. How do I get around this? So I got my sister certified. I paid for her certification to be my doula. She had already unofficially doulaed two births and she has given birth naturally three times herself. Um, My mom has also given birth naturally three or two times herself. So I, I really wanted both of these women with me for, I mean, reasons beyond that. But my sister will doula other births. So it wasn't like we just did this to get around the system. Like she actually took the course, got her badge, got certified um, in order to do this for other women as well. Moving on. I was able to have all three of them and it was a freaking dream come true. To answer my mother's question of why we weren't going to the hospital already, I thought it would be slower Like I thought that my mom and my sister would come over, I would get in the bathtub, we'd progress through early labor and early active labor together. Maybe I would use the the heating pad, we would, you know, push on my hips and I would use my TRX straps to get into a deep squat and help baby descend. Nope, no, that is not what happened. Early labor took place for the last 72 hours and then it was fucking go time. I had been in early labor for those previous two days. That was the bath time. That was the TRX time. That was the heating pad time. I never got checked, like I said, because it didn't make a difference to me. Uh, When I say checked, I never got a cervical exam. So my guess was that I was probably at a two to three centimeters for at least the previous two to three days. My body was working to get there. Thus, my early active labor was fast and furious. So no seatbelt going to the hospital. Think what you wish. I had heard how terrible it is to sit in a car and have contractions. Facts. These are facts. I sat for the beginning. 
I waited outside the truck door and was like, I want to wait till I have my, my contraction, then I'll get in and then we can start driving. So I had my last contraction literally at the car door my water broke. I was like, okay, no more questions. That was my water breaking. For those curious, I do not think that I need to have the baby within 24 hours, but that was an indication to me that things are certainly moving along. So I'd heard how terrible it was to sit in a car for contractions. Absolutely agree. I sat for the beginning of my first one, did not even make it through the whole thing. That approach can fuck all the way off. I rode on all fours, hugging the seat rest. So facing the back of the truck and hugging the seat rest on all fours. Um, Make your own decisions. I had four surges in the surge being a contraction in the car as we live 10 to 12 minutes from the hospital. So I knew that I wanted to leave my home uh, when I was having contractions that were two to three minutes apart. And I knew that that would mean I would have, you know, four to five contractions in the car. And I still felt okay between them. So I thought no big deal, right? I was held in triage for almost an hour. They did not do a check. They were very clear that I was in active labor. Um, Contractions progressed and I was honestly feeling good. Uh, It might sound like I was in pain, but it's very interesting. I, I describe it as like an intense pressure, but it's, for me, it wasn't necessarily pain. I didn't associate it as pain. It was more just like a very intense sensation that I wouldn't describe as pain. And I know that sounds really weird, but that's, that's how it felt to me. So And I did not have any sensations in my stomach at all. It was like all in my pelvis and my, my rectum. And that's because, well, you'll find out why that is because so still no cervical check. Um, it was 4 30 PM. So remember I left my house at 2 45, 4 30 PM. We got into a room. I was clearly in active labor upon arrival. And this is where the kind of unmedicated labor part in the hospital begins for me. We will stop there today uh, because I only have so many minutes per podcast that I can upload and we've reached that limit. So next episode, we are going to pick up on the unmedicated portion of my labor in the hospital. We will start off at triage and get as far as we can. So that's the beginning of diving in. I hope you enjoyed it so far. We will continue guns a blazing in the next episode. And until then, I am Annie Miller. Thank you so much for tuning into the Fitz Pro Podcast. Thank you.